as we continue to talk about God at war. In fact, we're going to be talking about a woman during most of this, and that is Mary. The, uh, the Catholics talk about Mary all the time. Protestants are afraid to talk about her at all. So somewhere in the middle, we've got to find a, a nice balance here. She's very, very important in our, in our story, and what a remarkable woman she was. When the young, Mary, uh, young girl, Mary, was told that she would be the conduit for the salvation of the world, she understood the weight of this a lot better than most people give her credit for. In fact, I think she understood the weight of it far more than we understand the weight of it. Being told that she was bringing in the salvation of the world means she's bringing in someone who will be in conflict with the entrenched power systems of the world, like Amos was talking about. So, she has some things that she wants to say. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 1. This is sometimes called the Magnificat. In fact, we did a sermon on this uh, at, during Advent season last year. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled, with hungry, filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is a world turned upside down, and we don't get it because we don't really understand her situation. She knew that evil powers stood behind Herod and Rome, and that the child within her would be the beginning of a victory against them. So now fast forward to Matthew chapter 16. It's fast forward in time, not in the pages of your Bible. I get that. Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, notice what the name of it is, Caesarea. This is Caesar's land. He asked, why would he come there? It's interesting. He comes to the middle of Caesar land and asks his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Some replied, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah, which seems to be a rather odd advertising um, campaign, but it worked for him. Uh, we're still talking about him. He wasn't there for the glory, 
he says, where's your declaration of loyalty? Isn't it interesting? He takes him into Caesarea, Caesarville. I can't emphasize this enough. He took them right in the center of it and then turned to them and said, who are you loyal to? Who are you going to pledge your loyalty to? I actually enjoy some of politics. I read a lot on all sides that I can find. Some of it disgusts me, some of it interests me. But I have found that everybody I've ever thought that could be the person speaking for me, they will eventually say something I can't go with. And I'll back up and just say, no, it's just, no, I can't do that. Our loyalty has to be to Christ, first, foremost, and always. Pick a side. As Randy Harris says about the book of Revelation, God has a team, Satan has a team, God's team wins, pick a team. Echoes here of the Ethiopian eunuch, who do you say that I am? Did you remember that? Before he could be baptized, wait a minute. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Before we go any further, that's your declaration of loyalty. That's who you are. That's all right to have your heritage and to love your heritage, but that's not who you are anymore. I don't have a, a drop of Native American blood in me. Uh, I, 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 it's fascinating to me as I listen to people, and they, they're so proud that they have bits of it, and they should be. When we were in Colorado, we had members who were full blood, Lakota, Sioux, uh, different groups, and they were very proud of it, and, so, and again, so they should be but they didn't grab a bow and arrow and shoot one of us. Their first loyalty was not to that. Their first loyalty was to Jesus. My first loyalty is to Jesus. The most beautiful carol I've ever heard in my life was sung by a very old man. We were in South Carolina that season, and as they, we were at this person's house, they had a tree that was massive, beautiful. And they said, Bill will sing a Christmas tree. But he sang it in German because Bill was German. Bill had been wounded several times fighting for the German army in the Eastern Front. At that time, he was our enemy. But Bill has been baptized and we have been baptized and now Bill stands and sings among us. It changes everything. Changes everything. Remember, well, you may not even know this. The early church, before they did a baptism, they got into the pattern or the, um, the tradition of doing an exorcism first, just in case there were any demons in you, because you can't have those here. You're, you cannot be loyal to anybody but Jesus Christ. And in fact, they baptized in the nude. Aren't you glad we don't do? We're a restoration movement to a point. Uh, they, and again, it was because you take nothing as you come into this kingdom. You come out only belonging to him. And by the way, um, I have no idea how they separated men or women. I just know that at Christian youth camp, that would have never worked. <laughs> Think of Paul standing on Mars Hill in Acts 17. What does he tell them? I see you have a lot of gods, but I, I need you to pick a different one. 
that's the one you want. Pick a side. Make it public. Live accordingly. I have a friend named Harvey who's from Detroit, but he has lived for I don't know how many years in Biloxi, Mississippi, where they don't speak English. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, listen, I, I love Lydia with all my heart, but the other day it came in, I said, man, it's hot. She goes, it's hotter than, first of all, that's, that's not a word. Um, I think it means hotter than, if I looked it up right in the book, hotter than blue blazes. I had no reference point for this. <laughs> Thankfully, Barb Cassily was also in the office at that stage, so she worked to interpret this. Um, but have you, have you heard Barb? It didn't help that much. Um, <laughs> And eventually, uh, Lydia says, uh, said, blue's hardest. And I went, I'm going to go write this down now. <laughs> Harvey, living in Biloxi, every time I've seen him, is wearing either a Detroit baseball hat or a Detroit shirt. He left Detroit, but he's a Detroiter. And I understand that. I lived there 10 years. I get it. Jesus says, that's what I'm going to build my church on, those who pick my side. Those who say, I'm in. I'm all in. It's not Peter as a person, but his declaration that he's talking about. I'm going to build my church on this. I'm the Christ, the Son of God. Remember, he calls Peter Satan just a few verses later. So it's not Peter he's building the church on. It's what Peter said. Martin Luther had a problem with temper. Oh, boy, did he. That's like saying fireworks can be a bit noisy. He also had a problem with chronic depression, and he had some sin in his life. He was very open about all this, by the way. He wasn't a hypocrite. He was very open about this. And the corrective he would tell himself repeatedly through the day when he caught himself was, but I have been baptized. It was to remind himself, I swore allegiance. I belong to a different kingdom. I told my Cammy, when I die, cremate me. Scatter my ashes in no particular place. I don't belong to any country or any place. You know, she was a bit troubled by that. And my son, the Marine, you know how sweet and kind they are. He said, he said don't worry, Dad. We'll scatter your ashes, say a few nice words, flush. It'll be beautiful. It will be. <laughs> but pay particular attention to verse 18 for a minute, would you? I tell you that you're Peter on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of Hades, the realm of the dead, will not prevail. Wait a minute. Gates are not offensive weapons. You don't attack with gates. All my life, this has been taught to me by the devil can't really destroy us because the gates of hell will not prevail again. No, no, no. He's saying the devil can't hold out against us. We're breaking those down. We're on the offense. We take his territory. He doesn't take ours. Read it again and see if that doesn't change everything. We don't live afraid of anything. We're taking hell. 
we're going to take, not like, oh, I've been taking hell today. No. As in, it was hell, it's ours now. I first walked in this morning, the air conditioning could have put out hell. It was, we were hanging meat in the hallway. Um, Hades is a common term for the kingdom of death and darkness. It's not quite the same as saying hell. What it means is we will overcome the power of death, decay, disease, pain, nightmare, fear, war. We overcome that. Because the powers of the air will not be able to, to bring humanity to oblivion if we're here. We're the salt. We're the light. We got this. We can take it. That's what Elijah needed to learn. Remember when Elijah ran to the cave? And when God, and it's a great story, don't have time for it today, and God finally coaxes him out to talk to him, Elijah's reason for hiding in the cave is, I'm the last one left. Uh, he wasn't the last one left, but that's not the point. If you're the last Christian left, your job just got bigger. It didn't go away. Shine brighter, talk more, go more, risk more, because there's more for you to do. I look at the paper, I don't despair. I look at the news, I don't despair. I just think, job security. <laughs> I got work to do. Hell will not stand against this. Jesus says this dark kingdom cannot withstand those that have chosen him, and I believe it. The NIV here misses the translation. You're not overcome by gates. Those gates need to be in fear of being overcome by our light. Because the world wants what we've got. It does. You might think, well, wait a minute, churches are emptying. Yes, because they're not finding it there. Millennials aren't finding it there. The rise of the nuns, as they call themselves, N-O-N-E-S, no faith, is rising. And the reason is they go to churches where they do a ritual or it's a fellowship committee or it's a social club or it's, it's, it's just divorced from Amos. There's no going to Franktown to feed. There's no helping kids with their homework. There's no engaging darkness to drive it back. They don't see it. If you ask millennials what they want to do, they will tell you what they want to do is feed the poor, help the homeless. And I keep going, that's, you're giving us our job description. That's who we are. Our job at the Fourth Avenue Church is to be outpost of heaven wherever you are. You show people this is what heaven looks like. Not our bodies, but our actions, our love, our giving, our sharing. And then say, come along, help me do this. I, I have a slide there, slide four, and I guess you could put that up if you did. Siege warfare we don't really talk about it much, and we're not going to today because we got started 11, 12 minutes late because preacher wouldn't shut up. Um, and then you have a baptism. And so it just slows everything down. It just, you know, God's on the clock here. So we're, we're going to skip over a few things. Defense was all that most cities needed. You didn't need an offensive weapon. All you needed to do was build a wall because they didn't have a weapon to get through it. So siege warfare, they started learning how to build stuff that they could move. And now they built stuff like this, like little mobile castles. So they could run it up against the walls and start shooting things and, uh, or get people to jump into the, uh, over the walls and start fighting there. 
your gate. That was your power. And the Bible says the gates of, of death, disease, decay, pain, war, torment, all that cannot stand against us. Go. Take it. In our warfare, God's going to outlast the devil. And the defenses that the world puts up, any of their laws, any of their procedures, any of their borders are going to go away. They may not go in your lifetime. I'm going to be writing about this this week. I spoke about this on Thursday night at Lepscomb at Summer Celebration. Just very briefly understand this. You are in the middle of a thriller novel. All right? Now, if you don't read thrillers, Okay, I do. I read thrillers and I read mysteries. I like to read stuff that's guaranteed not to improve my mind every now and then. Just for fun. Go for the ride. One of the first things I do when I get a book is see how many pages there are because I want to know when to get worried. Right? 100 pages in, if you still don't know the story, stop. Guy's not going to get to it. If it's a 400-page book and it's 200 pages and the hero's still, everything's going their way, probably not going to be an interesting book. But if they're in horrific danger in page 300 and you've got another 100 pages to go, hang in there. The book's about them. Now, all the other characters, the book's not about them. What happens to them? A lot of them don't make it. This book is not about us. It's about God. We are the other characters advancing the story. We may not make it to page 400. Now, after the book is closed, God invites us to the big party, and we all understand this. But on this planet, I might not see those walls fall, but I believe they're going to fall. And my job is nibble away the best I can while I'm still in the book. Do you understand what I mean? If not, watch the blog later this week. Um, I'm going to try to put that up there. God is the aggressor in chapter 16 of Matthew it's the kingdom of God that attacks the kingdom of Satan. And most of my life, I've heard sermons about how, God, uh, how the devil's attacking us. The only reason he's attacking you is because you've given him enough time to. Attack him first. Don't let up. How many NFL games have been lost because the team that was in the lead went into prevent defense? One of the worst things you can do, and coaches do it all the time. You don't know what that means. It just means we're going to play cautiously now so we don't lose it. And they lose it because they didn't get the lead playing cautiously. We can't be cautious. If your religious system is based upon fear, you'll be cautious. We like to do stuff, but we're not really sure we're allowed. I can remember, I won't name the village, but it's in central Scotland. We went to a church there and that church been in that town for I don't know how many years. Never really done anything. And we, but they liked me and I liked them. And I said, would it be all right if I brought a group up and we just put through the doors, that's where the mail slot is, little cards advertising a, a postal Bible study. They can do this through the post. And they said, well, we'll have to meet about that. And they met. It was about a month later. They got back to me and they said, we're just... We're not really sure we're ready for that. We're not sure we all agree. Fear has paralyzed us. So no wonder Jesus' most often given commandment was fear not. Go for it. Martin Luther also had another expression, Lord, let me sin boldly. In other words, if I'm making a mistake, let it be because I'm boldly moving forward. What will you... For 
What will make your heart better? What would you forgive sooner? A kid with jelly all over their face that runs over and gives you a spontaneous hug as you're trying to get out the door in your good clothes? Or a kid who won't hug you because they're afraid they'll do it wrong? Or a kid that'll come up and just woodenly, perfunctorily, have a good day. I did that safe, didn't I? We don't want safe, do we? We want wild abandon. So does God. The keys to the kingdom passage is disputed, what that means. But it's clear it's an essential part of what we do. I believe that we have the power to lock up demonic powers. I believe we get the keys. I believe we also have the ability to break prisoners free. Prisoners of sin, prisoners of governments, prisoners of of debt, prisoners of whatever. We have the keys. We can do this. If we're not afraid, just don't be afraid. Uh, Slides five and six, please. A quote from Gregory Boyd. This teaching provides a blueprint of what the body of Christ is to be about. It is to be about what Jesus was about, aggressively breaking down satanic fortresses wherever we find them in people's lives, in families, in churches, and in societies at large. The church is to expand the rule of God on the authority of Christ by binding evil and setting people free. In a word, our charter is to live out a theology of revolt. Remember, in Amos, their sin was that they had gotten comfortable with the culture and they'd become allies of a culture throwing all we are and all we have into guerrilla warfare against the occupying army, the tyrannizing powers of darkness. Wouldn't that be more exciting than go to church and make sure you sing the songs God likes? Do you see the difference? One gives you power and turns you loose. We had some visitors here today. Wayne, they said, Are all your baptisms like that? And I said, most of them, because Wayne does a lot of them. And and they they smiled and they said, that was great. They said, you never have to worry about you didn't get them under. (laughs) I said, no, the only thing we have to worry about is, you know, did they get blistered from the impact? Um, But when our brother came up out of the water he also became a citizen of a new country ours and this is his mission that's our mission we oversweeten the life of Jesus turning it into a cartoon we really do he's always a white shiny guy carrying a, a, a lamb around but if you understand the warfare motif everything changes Look at the Lord's Prayer, for example, Matthew chapter 6. Our task is to do this. Thy will be done. God's will. Now, who gives us our daily bread? Not Social Security. Not the IMF. Not the XM Bank. No, no. Our daily bread comes from God. He's in charge. As we forgive, we change things on this earth. We are forgiven. Lead us not into temptation. We're on a pathway here. We're moving. Deliver us from the evil one. For whose is the power of the kingdom and all? Whose is it? Thine. 
we give it to him. He's in charge. We're not going to be afraid. Our task is to bring the rebellious world under the rule of God. And all that indicates that God's not ruling on earth the way he should be because his people aren't engaged. God is, and I, I did this for you a couple of weeks ago, God is, is ruler of the planet de jure, but not de facto. By law and right, he is ruler. But in fact, he says the devil is the prince of this world. Why? Because we haven't overthrown him yet. Our job is to do that. We can do something to change the world. Who do we rely upon for our food? God. The phrase about forgiveness would not be understood, by the way, as a quid pro quo. That's the way we do it. We forgive, so we are forgiven. Actually, the phrasing there literally says, forgive us our wrongs as we go about forgiving the wrongs of others. Now think about this, because I've been told when I was growing up, no, only Jesus can forgive sins, you can't. It's not actually true, because Jesus gave us that ability. He says, if you forgive them, they're forgiven. If you don't, they aren't. Do you remember that? He says, if you come into a house and you give it a blessing, they're blessed. If you don't, they don't get it. And my, my mom's Irish, and I love the south of Ireland uh, tradition of when you walk in, immediately you just say, God bless all here. It's just, it's just part of the culture. Now, don't panic if you're thinking, what did I say when I came into Patrick's house? No, that's not the point. The point is go about blessing, go about forgiving, and we will be forgiven in the process. That um, changes everything. The lead us not into temptation clause doesn't mean that God's going to tempt us. It means don't lead us into trials, pain, and hardship. Help us avoid those but deliver us from evil, literally deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 13 and 14. Oh, by the way, um, you asked me last week when, when we got to ask questions and I asked you to bring it up and I didn't give you a chance. Um, was your question about possession? or de- Okay. Uh, I was asked, can demons possess Christians? Real quick. The word possession is actually not in Scripture. The best word... The best way we could translate the word, which is often put possessed, is demonized. Not a real word. It means harassed. Can Christians be harassed by demons? Yes. Can Christians lose their willpower? Yes. How? By allowing the devil in and letting him have real estate in your head. Do you remember Paul said the devil was building strongholds of bitterness in them? How can he do that? Because you gave him the real estate. You let him do it. You let him in. You gave him that place. I'll never forgive my father. Oh, good. You just gave him some acreage. The people like that, I just can't stand those kind of people. You've just given him more land. And the more you give him, the more he will take. And then you can say, flee from me, devil. And he can say, you gave me permission to be here. Scared yet? That's why Amos is important. We've got to do some cleaning of closets in a metaphorical sense too, don't we? What about the salvation issue? In my opinion, please underline and circle and draw an arrow pointing the phrase, in my opinion. 
those who are, have been baptized into Christ, who put on Christ, who made errors and the devil has harassed them because he gave them, they gave them permission to be there, are still saved. They are children under stress, but they are still children. All right, so do not fear. Instead, go to work. Um, chapter 13 and 14 of Matthew are full of warfare. You can read that if you'd like. Um, in Matthew chapter 14, is that what I want to do? 13. Where do I want to be here? Talk amongst yourself. Anyway, um, all it is, you, you start, you're Jesus walking on the water, feeding the 5,000, parable of the net, parable of the sower and the weeds, which is all about the devil. Remember that Jesus first encountered a, a, a demon in Mark chapter 1, and where was that demon? I know he was in a person. Where was the person? At church. At the synagogue. Don't be surprised. Will the enemy come into our congregations, our churches, our missions? Of course he will. You think the devil likes what we're doing here? He's coming after us. I know he's come after some of us as individuals. I don't know how he's going to attack us. Every time I thought I knew how he was going to, I got it wrong, to be honest, every single time. So just be aware, it's going to happen. Our job is then to huddle up with each other and protect each other. All right? Um, Jesus warns us he did not come to bring peace. Isn't that an odd passage in chapter 10, verse 34? Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And he talks about, I've come to turn a man against his father. And wait a minute, what about that peace on earth stuff? What about that prince of peace stuff? Yeah, that's for us, not for the world's system of doing things. The word earth there is not a place word, terra. It's a time word, eos, which means the world's system. He brought peace to us, but not to that. That's got to have war so that we can have our peace. Do you understand the difference? God's not opposed to bunnies. You know, when he says, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world, you're thinking, I, I quite like flowers. That's fine. He's talking about the system word. Matthew chapter 10, by the way, if you read it, it's all about warfare and what its effects on us and our society are. Remember first, if, I'll sum it up this way, checking. First John chapter 3 and verse 8, the reason, quote, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And then he says, follow me. Part of the devil's work is to bring pain and disease into our lives. Some think John chapter 9 is an exception to this, that this disease was not caused by the devil, but by God. So we should look at it. John chapter 9. There's a man blind from birth. Disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because that's what they felt. They felt that sin was what caused the pain in our world. And it does, but it's not that simplistic. It's much more complex. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, did they ever sin? Yes. 
What he means is their sin didn't have anything to do with his blindness. But then he says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. There are people who, who believe, oh, that means that this is all part of God's plan that he was born blind. No, no, I don't think so. Because you remember last week, Jesus kept saying the devil caused the diseases and pain. So what's going on here? He's saying, no, this all happened so that we have an opportunity to show God. It's a, it's a hard, we, we want things to be phrased in English, sadly. The way their minds work, in other words, Jesus is looking at this and saying, God didn't cause it, but this is a great opportunity for God. Does that help? This is a chance like job security reading the paper or watching the news. If this verse meant God blinded the man, it'd be a startling exception. But if you take a look at the whole context, Jesus explicitly says God will show his power by healing the man, not by making him blind. God's power heals. The technical grammar means we cannot translate it. He was born blind so that God's work may be revealed. Rather, he's saying God's power will be revealed because he was born blind. I'm hoping that I'm getting through here because some people bring this up. If you don't, if you're struggling with it, look at Luke 13, 1 through 5. There were some present at that time who told Jesus all about the Galileans who blood piloted mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the other ones living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. He's saying death and disease happen to people. God doesn't cause it because you sinned. And he's probably a sweet, nice person, but Pat Robertson drives me nuts. I know it's not a drive, it's more of a putt, but still, work with me. When, when um, Disney World, back in the 80s, decided to have an official gay day, he said, oh, God will send hurricanes against Florida for this. Hurricanes in Florida. That would be a sign. There were people who said that 9-11 was a sign of God's judgment against us and they were wrong to speak for God. No. It's a sign that the devil is loose and our job is not done. We have work to do. Somebody this last week told me they were retiring and asked when I was going to retire. And I said, the particular job I have when I'm unable to fog a mirror, I have retired. Don't appreciate it that Cammy checks three or four times a day. But, um. <laughs> Remember John 9, back with the blind guy. That entire, the book of John is all about light and darkness, light and darkness. This guy is in darkness. God brings him light. God doesn't bring darkness. So, got to close. Thank you for hanging in here. Remember, the gates of hell are right in front of us. Satan, demons, rulers in the air, principalities, powers and authorities, dominions, cosmic powers, spiritual forces. And the Bible even lists kinds of these spirits. Spirits of fear, 
unclean spirits, foul spirits, spirits of error, perverse spirits, lying spirits, deceiving spirits, spirits of emulation. By the way, we don't use that word much anymore. That is undue competition, where I'm going to win even if it costs you. You know, and, and, and in other words, um, I don't care if my team cheats as long as we win. Or, hey, the, other, the opposing quarterback just, lo- just broke his leg. Yes. No, no, no. We're not competitive like that. Spirits of jealousy, spirits of whoredom, spirits of infirmity, that's sickness, familiar spirits, that's ones that know you and your family, knows where your buttons are. Spirits of bondage, deaf and dumb spirits, spirits of heaviness, and we could go forward. But remember, the gates of hell will not be able to withstand those who've made their choice, like our brother, Ray Darius, correct? Ray Darius made today. When we step in line with Jesus, many of us will be hurt. All of us will die. We are characters in the book. The book is not about us. But at the very end, we've seen the book of Revelation. We know how it ends. He calls all of us back together around the hero, and we celebrate together. Don't miss that day. To the work. We'll see you next week.